Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. How you doing, fuckos? How's my archery unfiltered family? How are we all doing this week? I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, A lot of cool things are going on in archery right now. Uh, If you're not one of the chosen going to Jordan, uh, there's still a lot of fun stuff out there for you. Um, the first being the Diablo Bowmen are having their fall harvest shoot. It's a 3D, uh, style shoot. It is Sunday, October 24th, 2021, 42 targets, 35 Reinhardt, seven paper. So that's 42 total, 35 Reinhardt, seven paper, no yardage, no, uh, marked yardage, no spots, two arrows per target, all the basic styles, um, they're going to have awards and a raffle. Anytime I've shot at Diablo Bowman, the raffle's always been pretty good. Uh, they normally have a couple bows or... Uh, I remember once I, I did a raffle and I got... What did I get? I got, like, dinner. <laughs> it was like a, a coupon for a free dinner at some fancy uh, sports bar restaurant in Concord. Took my wife to it, like, two and a half years later. Um, let's see the shoot fees, uh, day of it. They says pre-registered slash day of, I'm just going to say the day of, cause if you're listening to this, I mean, you could go onto the Facebook and look up Diablo Bowman if you want to get registration information, but most likely just going to show up and pay. It's $25 day of for adults. Um, so yeah, shooters meeting 845. They finish up at 3:30 PM. Diablo, the Diablo range is kind of cool. I don't know how many of you guys have been there. Um, it's pretty, it's not, it's not difficult. It's not insanely difficult. It's got a a couple, it's got like a long distance downhill shot that's kind of challenging. Uh, followed up by a whole handful of like 40, 30 uh, flat shots. It's got a nice 100 yard flat shot. Uh, 70 yard, 70 ish yard uphill shot. I would say it, as far as challenging and technical shots go, it's got about five or six and the rest of them are all homework and like fundamentals. You know, if your fundamentals are sound, you should be able to hit like 90% of the targets there. Um, and then if you're sound and you've been practicing or if you're Breaking strong shots, those, you know, those other five, six targets, they won't mess you up too bad. Uh, This is not safari style. I do believe I have said it was safari style in the past, but it's not. So it's going to be scored like a legit, you know, Reinhardt 3D target. Um, 
In other archery news, the Lancaster Classic has added a 12 ring, uh, which is pretty badass. It's a tiny... It looks like a smaller than the X white spot. Like just... I might be wrong, but it looks like just a scotch smaller than the X ring. And it's a 12 ring. So for anyone that watched Lancaster Classic, it's basically a vertical three spot where the X is counted as 11 points. And it's really cool because that that extra point makes it more like a race. It's more like... It's one of the things I find cool about watching recurve or barebow um, archery. The scoring is such that it's accumulative. It's like a race. And um, whereas compound, it's just like, don't miss. So the Lancaster scoring really makes it exciting to watch. And um, now with the addition of the 12 ring, and just so you guys know, the 12 ring is located in between the 7 and 8, those two red rings. (laughs) And it's right at dead center at 6 o'clock. So it's kind of (laughs) like you could go for the 12, and if you get missed, you're penalized. But uh, it's white. Like the dot is white against red. So I don't know <clears throat> I don't know what that's going to create if people are going to over aim at that spot uh if it's going to get inside people's heads cuz they're going to be used to aiming at the the X inside of the 10 for the 11. The only other thing is that it can it's only used in the the shoot off like the final shoot down it's like in the final. So all the qualification scores won't have it. So I think we'll get to see it when Lancaster televises, or I'm sorry, broadcasts their uh, their shoot on YouTube. It's really a great shoot. It's Lancaster does a great job uh, putting on a show for us, and I think like I don't know about you guys, but I will go through and watch all the older Lancaster shoots. They're all awesome. Um, you get to see some really top notch shooting from everybody. <clears throat> it's it's. Also, where I became like even more of a fan of Chance Bobef, because you get to see him. Something happens to his release, and he like plucks off an arrow into the ground, and then just, you know, when all hope for victory is lost, he soldiers on and just grinds out X's like, just in the most dominating fashion. Like you could you could tell, Bobef would have crushed a lot of people at this event. <clears throat> but, you know, Luck just didn't have it in the cards for him. Or whatever happened with that release screwed him up. But, uh, yeah, Lancaster Classic. Doing the 12 ring. Kind of neat. Um, very curious as to if, if you know, it's going to be received well from everyone. Or if it's going to be, you know, sometimes if you make a change to the way things are, people get real shitty about it. I don't know if you guys remembered, <clears throat> but not too long ago. The NFAA had talked about changing the rules for field archery. And pretty much everybody shit a chicken. It was like, what, three arrows instead of four? What the f... You know, it was... And, you know, I'll admit, I was one of those people that was like, just leave it alone. (laughs) You know? Why are we changing stuff? To make it easier? Like, shouldn't we always be trying to make things more difficult? We're Americans. Like, let's, let's challenge ourselves here. You know, since when were Americans like trying to get the easy way out? I don't know. And I'm sure I'll be greeted with a couple of people going like, oh, you don't know anything. But 
I've been all over the planet. I've been to damn near every other country except for the Middle East, and I don't think I'll ever go there. Um, not by choice. But I've I've been to every other country, and I can tell you I'm a proud patriot. And uh, yeah, American. There's a lot of good shit that Americans do, and one of them is rising to the challenge. <clears throat> Speaking of challenges, in the news. Vegas registration. The Vegas shoot. Registration's on. On October 12th to the 21st. Um, and then the registration will open for the 22nd for everyone. I don't know why they're splitting it up like that. Uh, if the first 2,000 people get some kind of special treatment or maybe it's hotel, you know, maybe it's the lodgings or who knows what. <clears throat> uh the event dates for Vegas, February 3rd through the 6th, 2022. Um, yeah, you guys can look that up. I'm not, I don't got to give you more information about Vegas. It is Vegas. It is indoor season now, unless you're doing the fall harvest shoot, by which means, you know, y'all have fun. I am all set up for indoor. Um... I have been slacking on practice, but I intend to change that, and I'm gonna make this epi- or like the this podcast when I'm not interviewing people. My plan is to recap my practices, tell you guys what I'm doing, what's working for me, and what I think can work for you. Um, I just wanted to before I get into some more stuff, I want to tell you guys thank you for all the support. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm jazzed that people outside of California listen to this show. And, um, you know, I want to say like, oh, you know, because you guys support me. I'll I'll talk more about out-of-state stuff. I I, I won't. (laughs) This is mainly about California shooters. Whatever state you're in, I'm sure you got badass grizzled archers. And... Not that I think California archers are soft, but I think we need work, which is why I'm trying to help raise the help raise the bar a little bit. So, but yeah, I thank everyone for their support. Uh, it means a lot to me when I get a message and someone tells me something positive. Uh, conversely, when someone messages me and tells me something not positive, it like. I don't know why it gets to me. I think most of the time it's because I'm like elbows deep in baby shit and diapers. And then I get a message just like, oh, you were so fucking off base on this. Let me tell you. And that kind of leads me into this thing. Okay. So I want like episode 27 was about Joel Turner's what I thought Joel Turner's shot process was. Admittedly, episode 27's audio quality was somewhere in between garbled dog shit and, you know, talking to someone doing the Rubicon, you know, with a cell phone, you know, trying to make a cell phone call at the same time. It was terrible. It was terrible. The audio quality was bad. And I got a lot of, a lot of people listened to it, but I wanted to go over and recap and talk about it again. Um, a friend of mine, uh, who I respect messaged me out of the blue and was kind of like, Hey, 
you know, you're talking about the Joel Turner shot process. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you're way off on it. Um, one, like he kind of told me that what I outlined was not the shot process. Uh, two, he was kind of, he was under the impression that the Joel Turner shot process was bullshit. And it was kind of like a weird, you know, a weird way of thinking. And I want to tell you guys that I don't believe that. And maybe I did get his thing wrong, you know, because I didn't take his class. Um, and I'm going to go over all this stuff again so you guys can can kind of help you out here. So the one thing he said is like, are you shooting back tension with full uh, with a full surprise? And my answer to that is no. Uh, I, I'm working on it. And he was telling me, well, you know, Joel Turner is exactly the opposite of that. And he's actually not. <clears throat> Let me tell you what I think. Just based off of the things I saw. He talks about having a con- controlled shot. And a controlled shot does not necessarily mean you know exactly when that shot's going to break. Um I've heard, I hate to say his name, John Dudley, in early podcasts said, the goal is an unanticipated shot. And I think what that means, like if I, just based on the good shots that I break, when I break a good shot, I'm in control of the shot. I am aiming. And it's kind of like, when I start executing, I know it's going to happen. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but I am in control of it. And um, one of the things that Joel Turner talks about is being able to let down, being able to cancel, cancel out throughout this process, and then, you know, let down. And I do believe that lends itself to this whole control thing. Um. But yeah, I, you know, I have some friends that took his course and told me like it's enlightening, but it's not anything. Oh, my friends were just like, "You're not going to learn anything from this course that you probably don't already know." But just listening to Joel Turner talk and in podcasts and just YouTube videos, it has helped me a bunch with my own shot and. One thing I'm not going to do is tell you guys, <laughs> I'm not going to go out and brag about what kind of scores I've been shooting for a couple of reasons. One, if you're a friend of mine, I will. <laughs> I'll gladly I'll gladly talk about it. Um, there is something, I think it was George Ryle said a long time ago on social media where he was saying when you... Um, you know, post pictures of your big practice scores or you post pictures of your super tight group. You're putting this thing out into the out into space. You're saying, this is me, all right? And that thing, if that is not you all the time, if you cherry pick that, <clears throat> what you're doing is now you're setting up, you're setting a bar for yourself to hit all the time. When you don't hit that bar, you're going to, you're setting this like, uh, potential for self-sabotage or like to embarrass yourself 
And I get it. It's like bragging ultimately. Like the who do you want to see like fail at stuff is the guy Conor McGregor. Who doesn't want to see Conor McGregor get knocked out? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it this shit was cool in the beginning. It's old. It, it's way old. You know, <laughs> someone knocked that fool out. When Khabib beat him, I don't know if you guys are UFC fans or not, but, you know, when Khabib beat McGregor, I think a whole bunch of people were like, yes. Um, so anyway, uh, this friend that I was talking to was going on to tell me that, you know, he's seen Joel shoot. He didn't, he wasn't impressed, you know. And he's told me, he's like, I don't want to see you going down this rabbit hole and getting sucked into some nonsense and my answer to that was Bodie Turner and Paige Pierce those are two people that are students of his that are phenoms they're both badasses and so my buddy says yeah but they're not shooting a hinge they're shooting a button they're not shooting a surprise shot so again I didn't want to get way into it I mean like like I said Elbows deep in baby poop. I don't have time to debate. But again, there's confusion between the surprise shot and the controlled shot. And I'll get into it again. I'll, I'll do this, some recap stuff. <coughs> um, regardless of how people shoot, all right, and regardless of whether or not you think Joel Turner's coaching methods are good or bad, um, I believe that some things fill in the missing pieces to your own equation, right? Your equation being you're trying to figure out how to shoot good consistently all the time, right? In any situation, you get plopped down in, into space and they say, you know, hit this target over here in these conditions. And automatically, you're running an equation. You set your sight, you know, you draw back, you are, you're running like a million little things going off all at once. It's your subconscious, it's your physical, you know, you're telling yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to get that shot to go. Um, you know, it's one thing to criticize the coach. All right, say the coach doesn't perform. Yeah, I get it. I am very much one of these people that is outspoken against coaches because I see coaches that will coach a student and that student will shoot the brakes off of that coach any day of the week. But some guy feels like he can sit there and be like, mm, no, this isn't right. Mm, you should put your elbow further back here. Or, mm, no, how did that, you know, that shot didn't look good. <clears throat> to me, those coaches really bug me. But what Joel Turner does is he talks about a shot process that is unlike most, I'll, I'll say any, like, free coaching that I've ever seen. Right. And, you know, I'll say his name again. John Dudley has this like insane shot process where it's good because for the beginner, what he's doing is having you be self-aware. He's saying, like, look at your foot position, look at your hip position, look at your shoulder position, you know, like put your release on the string, preload your front shoulder or like put your shoulder out. Uh, draw straight back. Don't draw up in the air, but draw straight back on target. Uh, you know, whatever. He's got, I think it was like a seven-step shot process that has like three sub-steps for each one. I, it's insane. But Joel Turner breaks his shit down into four steps, and it's mental. 
And it makes a lot of sense to me because you can look at pro shooters, like some of the best shooters out there. They don't give a... I mean, I'm not going to say they don't give a shit about their footing, <clears throat> but they don't have conventional stances. They don't have conventional form. Some of them differ shot to shot, you know, like the way they are like preloading up or their shot timing might be slightly different shot to shot. And, you know, it's, I, Dave Cousins gave like this interview like a year ago that was saying like, he was saying, I don't have one type of shot. I have 20 different types of shots. And Rudy Sandoval will say, Dave Cousins said this, but I actually said this. It was, I said, it's like he's filling a deck of cards or he's filling a handful of cards to play. So when the target comes up and he draws back and he feels, you know, whatever comes with, you know, you can break a great shot and then the next shot you draw back doesn't feel the same. Well, that target's dealing him a card and that's what he's feeling. He can say, all right, I felt this before. Bam, I'm going to play that. Boom, this card. So Cousin says, I have a bunch of different type of shots. I just have one shot that I try to perfect. That's legit. That's some real stuff. So anyway, <clears throat> my buddy is like, you know, hating all over the Jill Turner thing. And I got kind of defensive for a little bit because one, he's kind of like, he's telling me I really don't know what I'm talking about. And to be fair, I don't. Okay. I rarely do. Everything that I talk about or that I'm about to get into for this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to recap it so you, with better audio so you guys can hear this, uh, what it's all about, or at least what I think it's about. I didn't take his class. You can hear all, all this shit that, he, that I'm about to tell you he talks about on YouTube or on varying podcasts that he's a guest on, okay? <clears throat> it's free. You know, you, if you take his class, it's $200, right? And I did not take his class. I am not going to spend $200 on his class. Because for me, that money is going into competition. A lot of people ask me, Wendell, what should I buy? What, you know, do I need to buy this or that? Should I get these arrows, that, those arrows? Almost always I'll tell people, spend your money on competing. It's getting to an event, paying for a hotel room, um, paying the entrance fee. You get so much more out of that. Than buying extra shit that you don't need. Which reminds me. Has anyone seen Black Eagle's little fucking string tuner things that they're selling? It's like little pieces of anodized aluminum that you jam in your string. And it's supposed to be like a 132nd twist or a 116th twist. On, it's the biggest. How much shit? How much crap is going to be invented in archery and then colored anodize whatever and then be like here you go 20 bucks give us 20 bucks for this <coughs> this stuff that a vendor was going to throw away but we're like we'll take it because we can so I know what I can do with that I'll make some money off that off of you guys off of the shooters um although you know I'll probably never ever be sponsored by Black Eagle so <laughs> I can just go ahead and talk this shit but it's it's. Uh, I know it's not good for me to say this stuff for the industry, but I feel like archery, especially now, I mean, it's always been, but especially now, there is a ton of bullshit being sold to us archers 
in hopes, you know, under the guise that it will make us, you know, make our bow tune better, make us shoot better. Even the Ultraview website says for the for their release, like never get hung up again. Or it, like they, the Ultraview website makes insane claims for their products, insane claims, and maybe they do it, you know, ironically or you know they are a bunch of like skinny young kids, so maybe they're like you know maybe you know Montessori school kids all have weird senses of humor. Maybe they're like that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, oh man, I got all off topic here talking about crap crap archery products but anyway <coughs> pardon me yeah so my buddy you know he's he's telling me that everything i was saying was wrong pretty much and that he was like trying to protect me from going down this shitty rabbit hole but i'll tell you guys i've had success like this stuff the stuff that joel turner has said has helped me so i think he's definitely worth a listen to if you're really you know if you have money to burn I would advise you do a tournament, but if there are no tournaments near you and you want to hear Joel Turner's shtick, I would advise you go to his class, you know, go take his class. It's online. It's Iron Mind or Shot IQ. It calls it the Iron Mind shooting system or something like that. So basically, the things he has said has helped me, and I'll tell you all about it in a little bit. Um, like I said, I crap on. You know, I crap on John Dudley, but that's not to say that there is not value in some of the things John Dudley says, you know, and who else? I, you know, I make fun of Tim Gillingham, the things he says. That's not to say that he is not right about a bunch of stuff. It all depends on whether or not that stuff applies to you. Right. And I, I believe that Joel Turner and uh, the, the other thing I was like, this stuff actually works for me. And my buddy says, well, it's because you're listening to Joel Turner like a pro would. I'm like, well, I, you know, thanks, <laughs> I guess. But, you know, I'm, I am closer, I can say, in, in practice and attitude at this moment to everybody else. I, I am further away from a pro than I've ever been. I'm still going to compete in the pro class. I'm going to take my lumps because, God damn it, I'm not going to be called a sandbagger again. And I think after you've, you know, after you've given some lumps, it doesn't matter how good you shoot anymore. You, you, you know, make way for the, the up-and-comers. <coughs> oh, man. I don't know why I'm coughing, but you guys are going to hear it. Um, And then the other thing, you know, well, I guess I won't get into that. All this stuff. He, basically, he said, I'm not typical. And, uh, yeah. So, I'm going to get into it for you guys. If you've listened to my last one and you sat through the whole thing, I appreciate it. I know I've listened to it. It was tough. I tried to remaster the audio to make it better. Um, but it just turned out like shit. So, this is a, you know, it's going to be the good one. Uh, the Joel Turner Shot IQ or Iron Mind Archery f uh, for hunting. Now, because of what my buddy said, I will preface this, if that's the correct word, by saying this is what I think it is. I might be wrong because I did not take his class. But this is what I've extracted from watching his videos, right? Um, 
I believe that his system or his coaching system is solely there to protect us from falling into negativity holes. I'm not going to say solely there because there's a bunch of good stuff to this. But <clears throat> he says, do we miss because we are afraid to fail? We miss because we're afraid to let ourselves be more. I'm not going to say his name again because I feel like if I say it three times, he's going to show up and like try to cook something on a Traeger grill. But a knock on guy has also said this exact same thing that we are actually scared of hitting what we're aiming at. And that is like this form of target panic that a lot of people suffer from. Um, Joel Turner says, do you have target panic? Is it redundant? He's like, it's a rhetorical question. You do have target panic. He says, our brains naturally brace for recoil, impact, or firing something. And that bracing comes through in weird ways, like holding off target or getting punchy, right? Like, say you can't get your dot on the target and you kind of just linger underneath it and then you pull it up and then punch the shot off. <coughs> Things like that. I've, I've kind of found, like, in myself... Um, I've never thought I had target panic because I've played so many like shooting video games as a kid. You know, when you're Asian, you play video games as a kid. It's just what happens if you're not playing the piano all day. Um, but I think the form of target panic I have is that I can hold on target, but my, you know, I get locked up trying to get my release to go. And then when my pin drifts off target, I stop pulling because I don't want it to go. I think that simple act right there is called is it can can be considered a form of target panic because you're stopping this process, you're stopping your execution, right? <clears throat> so uh Joel talks about how blank bail shooting gets us free in our minds, but through high stress shooting we develop that that braciness, that flinchiness over time again. And uh, his mental system is supposed to be able to overcome that and keep those pathways clear. And uh, this is pretty interesting. He, Joel's saying, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But basically, the human brain and the human is such a complex but efficient system that just the act of aiming and shooting successfully causes us to be more efficient subconsciously we link uh what's called pre-ignition movements which are a good example like i'll I'll just give you an example a a good example is if you shoot a, a hinge right you put your thumb on the peg and you draw back and then you let your thumb off the peg and you relax your hand until your release clicks right if you shoot a click You start shooting, you shoot a couple like that, and then you'll notice that you will come back to full draw. You take your thumb off the peg, and bam, it's clicking way faster. And it's because your brain is cutting out these micro, this like these little micro angles, minutes of angle in your hand. And I know for me, I shoot no click, right? My first 10 shots will be like, I got I to gotta roll through the shot, bang, you know? And then shots like, you know... 15, 16, I'll draw back and my hand will freeze right in front of the firing point. I have no click, but my brain knows 
Like you give it a little extra, and that thing is going to go. And it's just my body adapting. And you know how guys have gone over this in the past? They would carry like three different releases in their release uh, bag doodad there. And they'd set them for different speeds. And then they they would never know. So you'd have to draw back super safe every time. You'd have to roll through the shot the same every time and just assume it's going to go somewhere. And this makes a lot of sense to me. And I'll tell you guys why. I shot field nationals, right? I used to have a record here before Blake Jerome was invented. And I shot field nationals. And I shot a release called a Carter Total Control. It's uh, it's a really nifty looking release. Um, it has two moons, so you can adjust the the click and then the fire point. At the time, I shot with a click, and it rained on. I think it was the animal. We were shooting like the animal targets one day, and that rain straight effed up my release. Like these. Tar- the total control now has like a lock screw that, you know, if you have the first gen, it doesn't have this like locking nut in the, or a lock screw in, in the handle that locks these two moons down. Um, you know, in theory, these moons shouldn't move anyway, but if you get them wet, I don't know what, like the boogeyman takes over and starts, or the gremlins take over and start fucking around with the moons. So this release got wet and. For the next day, that day, like the day it was raining and then the next day, well, it was raining a little bit the next day too. The timing of when that thing would fire was damn near random. And sometimes the click was random too. Like sometimes it wouldn't click and it would just fire. And most people would say that's like a fucked up release, right? But it's the only one I had. So I just shot it. I didn't bring a backup release. Or if I did, it was back at the hotel. And I just shot it the same way every time. You know, like drew back super safe. Thumb on the peg. When I was ready to go, it was go time, and I just rolled through the shots. Like you know, expanded. Um, you know, I ran a lot of weight on my bars, so it was a lot of pushing and relaxing. <coughs> um, and I shot. I think I shot a five fifty six for one field round. I shot an insane score, like higher than I would than I had shot in club shoots or anything else. I, I shot like one of the best scores that I had ever shot in competition for a field round. And that was with a release that I could not tell when it was going to fire. It makes sense to me though. Cause it kept me releasing the same way every time. And it not, it was a, all my shots were controlled because I knew I had to aim and I had to go through these motions to get the shot to go. But I wasn't anticipating when it was going to fire. I just knew it was going to fire at some point. So this is another thing. This guy says this thing and it speaks to me. It's like, hey, that makes sense. I've been there. I've done good under those conditions, right? I'm not telling you guys to go, you know, dunk your releases in water. You know, don't do that. Uh, I don't even know if these total controls are made like this anymore. I think they all have this lock screw now that stops this from happening. <clears throat> I'm not against having three releases in your pouch thing, right? But if you do draw back, <laughs> and if you shoot no click and you draw back super like not like, you know, shortcutting it 
and you sh- you pull in the hot release, you're gonna send an arrow into space. Um, so here's another thing that's interesting, right? Um, I'm open to a lot of stuff, especially stuff that has like buzzwords like science, right? Someone says it's science, I'm like, oh, I'll listen. Like, let's you know, talk to me, talk to me, goose. Uh, he goes against my theory. This is Joel now, not my buddy. But Joel Turner goes against my theory of straight repetition, right? I believe that if you shoot a fuck number of arrows downrange, it doesn't matter if you do them with someone screaming in your face. It doesn't matter if you break a thousand ugly shots or whatever. I feel like, uh, well, it science, right? The Stanford scientists figured out that through repetition, when you hit an X, if you shoot an arrow and you hit an X, your brain is going to light up inside and go, oh, everything we just did was the right thing. And you might not know exactly what it is, but your brain, everything will adjust to be a little closer to making all that stuff happen again. So through repetition, you can forge these pathways in your brain to doing this thing that will get you this result right and uh, again when I heard this uh, it was from this guy Huberman who was talking about skill acquisition Uh, I was like that makes sense I got good when when I got good at archery it was from shooting a crap ton uh, by myself with no coach and just shooting for hours at a Vegas three spot, just over and over again. Um, and that carried over into field archery and, you know, field archery, I'd practice and drill and do a bunch of shit. I mean, there's, there's more tricks to it than just that. Right. But that's the meat and potatoes of it. Repetition, I believe is big, but Joel Turner says muscles don't have memory. It's a series of motor programs that causes you to shoot this. So the goal is automatic movements, which is a, the whole concept is flawed. It's not that, it's not, he says, it's not how you got the feel of the perfect shot. It's not that you got the feel of a perfect shot. It's how you got the feel. The how is the journey and uh, not the destination. And I've heard coaches talk about this. I think, then the knock on guy says um he scores himself on his shooting form or like his shooting his execution is what, how he scores himself he doesn't score himself on where the arrow lands <clears throat> and th- there's okay i get weird about this because guys that are like well it's all about your form it really doesn't matter where the arrow lands it's like no we're not doing uh, synchronized swimming, you know, it actually does matter where the arrow lands. In fact, that's all that matters is where the arrow lands. Um, and I think you can see guys like Real Wild who are leaning way fucking far back uh, with his bow hand. He's got his fingers flexed outwards, right? Not super relaxed. Sometimes he does, but I've seen him shoot where his fingers are like pointing. And then his release hand is like curled up into like a, like a hoof, right? It, I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that 
your level two USA archery coach will come through and be like, no, 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 this is all wrong. This is all wrong. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter because Rio's going to score. He's going to shoot a 300. You know, what? not that the name of the game? Shoot a 300? I think, uh, was Dave Cousins that said it? This is something he said directly to us. He said, I don't give a fuck what you have to do. Put the arrow in the middle. And I, I dig that. <clears throat> I dig that a lot, you know? That is what we're trying to do here. So uh, when you shoot the perfect arrow, ask yourself, what was I thinking about during that shot? Now, that's huge, right? Um, what was I saying to myself during that shot? What were the exact words and the exact cadence? And uh, I've always thought mantras had some validity in in shooting. Uh, when I did really good shooting, I used to have this mantra where I'd say the word gradual to myself. And I taught my students. When I coached, I uh, told my students to say this word, gradual. When you're executing, when your thumb's off the peg and you're, and it's go time. It's green light go time, right? Uh, Joel Turner says you have to ask yourself, could I have stopped this process if I wanted? Uh, what decisions did I make to get myself into the process for this one shot? Um I notice myself <clears throat> when I start getting real tense on my release hands, I couldn't stop. I can't stop these shots. When, or it's like when my release hand gets real tense, it's when it's, that's when my brain's doing this efficient shortcutting thing. And my release hand is getting right up to the firing point. It's getting super tense to not let that release go until the moment is just right. And, um, it's so tense and I'm pushing and pulling so hard to break that release, to break that shot that I'm so deep into that process. I can't stop. Right. When I shooting really good, I would say these words gradual, gradual. And it, it changed everything because I wasn't shooting under a bunch of tension. It's so weird that this whole, this tense release hand thing is something that has come to me recently in like the last two years I'd say um, and I think it happened I think it comes to a lot of people I think if you get hung up on a shot or you know you have trouble getting that release to go uh, it's right there you know I've seen Chris B in YouTube videos talk about poor performances due to release hand tension so uh, let's see Joel Turner talks about the exact words and the exact rhythm. Uh, we'll get into a little more of this later, but a slower rhythm, or it's a, it's a rhythm that matches your aim. The, the rhythm of your aim is what we're going for. And more, We'll get more into specifics on that in just a minute. The goal here is to keep yourself in the present. You know? Uh, don't think ahead. We're not, we're not thinking... About what if we make this shot? What if we miss this shot? We're not thinking about your Facebook post that's going to say this event is in the books like everyone does, right? Uh, all you're focused on is the shot. It's the des It's the, the journey. It's not the destination. It's not the thing that happens once you get there. 
We're soaking up and controlling the journey. Um, so let's see. Stylus. My notes here are a little all over the place. <clears throat> so Joel Turner. He talks about this being this whole thing that I'm talking about that I just mentioned. There's an open loop versus the closed loop shooting system. Closed loop systems have the ability to self-correct. These are often known as feedback control systems. Um, uh, to, uh, an example of a closed loop system is a thermostat, right, or an air conditioner. It senses the ambient temperature. It adjusts. It makes the output, senses, adjusts, outputs, etc. So this closed loop, it, it, you know, you can picture it as just something that is like a chain that keeps feeding into itself. An open loop, loop system does not do this. They are known as non-feedback control systems. And this would be like a, a traffic light. A traffic light keeps changing regardless of what's going on, Right? It doesn't take any feedback in. It just runs the same program over and over again. So, you know, if uh, if a double-decker bus runs into a cyclist and then the light changes back to green and then uh, another, like a city bus, crashes into that double-decker bus and then the light changes again and then a little old Asian lady goes plowing into that group the light's just going to keep changing. It doesn't matter, you know. It, it's just going to... The pileups are going to keep going. There's no sensing. There's no adjustments going on. <laughs> I've always thought... I've always thought I was a closed-loop system shooter because I've always felt like I aim. I get my pin where I want it. I give my release a, a little tug, a push and pull, right? I do that until my pin falls out of the spot. And then I go back to aiming when it's where I want it. I start pushing and pulling. Um, but I guess Joel would consider that an open loop. I mean, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But because there is this this moment where I stop and then start everything over again is the opening part of the loop. It, it's there. There is no like, hey, I'm just going to put this shot down. It's like, well, let's keep, let's force this thing to happen. And I keep doing the same thing. We're, we're doing the same. It's the red light, yellow light, green light thing that's going on. And sometimes, you know, my traffic lights are good. I rarely have that, you know, rogue cyclist that goes out into the middle and gets plastered on the sidewalk. <clears throat> so, the, you know, he says the pr- surprise shots protect you from mental bracing uh and i apologize my notes are a little scrambled here i listen to like so many podcasts and i just wrote notes on top of notes um again let's be very choosy with the words here he says surprise shots protect you from mental bracing i.e the pre-ignition remember hold on let me pull this sweater off i'm wearing a, a fleece and it's like i'm in the basement i thought it was gonna be colder down here anyway okay Surprise shots protect you from mental bracing. Remember, mental bracing is the the pre-ignition movements. So, in short, he's saying if you're not anticipating the shot, you will not 
do this subconscious shortcutting of your execution process. Again, I don't think we should use the word surprise shot, as my good friend pointed out. I think we should call this an unanticipated shot. I think that is a much better word for this. Uh, A controlled shot is knowing you're going to make a good shot versus hoping. And I've done this before where I've gone up there. I've stepped up to the line and been like, I hope I hit this. Uh, Let's be real, people. That is the wrong effing words to say to yourself when you get up there. I don't think they mention this. I think they might get close to talking about this and with winning in mind. But what you should be saying when you get up to that line on any target, whether it's 100 yards away or 2 yards away, is not, I hope I hit this. At worst, it should be, how? How am I going to hit this? And then you let your brain start figuring this shit out. You know, in a perfect world, you walk up there and you say, I'm going to hit this. You know, if you get your mental shit together, that's what you should be saying. If you've done your homework, too, you should be saying, I'm going to hit this. And it should be confidence. It should be real confidence. It shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, there is no autopilot. It should be a controlled process. Use words. These words can frame your shot process. When you get your pin on the target, saying, here we go, or saying, pulling, 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 while just focusing on aiming. Now, when he said that, it really made me wonder if what he's teaching is passive shooting. There used to be this thing back in the day, and it's kind of falling apart now because it's kind of bullshit, where people used to say, are you a passive shooter or are you a dynamic shooter? Right? There's two types of shooters out there. There's dynamic and passive. Well, what are these two? Well, dynamic is someone that rips their bow apart, you know, pulls hard, pushes hard into the bow, gets that shot to go. What passive shooter just kind of aims and just lets it happen. Aims, 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 bang. And I used to tell people I was a passive shooter. When I shot really good, I was a passive shooter. Passive shooters got shit on back in the day because it was like, no, you need to be dynamic. You need to break strong shots. Passive shooting will only lend to problems. <clears throat> and hearing him say these things about saying, here we go, or saying pulling, pulling, while just focusing on aiming, that sounds like passive shooting. And let me say that good shooters out there practice this. Chance Bobef. God forbid I ever get a chance to interview that guy. I am a huge fan. Chance Bobef once said, the way I shoot is I just focus on aiming. He said, I'm steering a car inside the lines. And that's it. I'm just keeping it in the lines. And then when it breaks, it breaks. Bam. If that ain't passive, I don't know what is. And Chance Bobef is like one of the best effing indoor shooters ever. I really hope... I'll be honest, guys. Not to put anyone else down. I hope we all do great come Vegas. I hope the shoot-off comes down to just me and Chance Bobef. (laughs) I'm going to weird him out a whole bunch if it does, though. (laughs) He's going to be trying to shoot, and I'm just going to be staring at him like, awesome form. Okay. Uh, Shifting your focus away from shooting middle and focusing on your concentration. So this is another great one. Uh, He said... um, Practicing your concentration is 
is the core of it. Good concentration equals good shooting and not vice versa. That makes sense. How many of us have been out there shooting good and then started bullshitting with somebody or talking and telling bad jokes and then forget to set their sight? Bad shooting. That becomes bad shooting. Good concentration equals good shooting. You are on it every shot. I am engaged in the shot. And he talks about this inner monologue, the words that you say to yourself. If you think about it, if you are saying words to yourself as you're shooting, just those words will take up, you know, it will take your attention away from all the other shit going on around you. If you've ever heard people say, like, I couldn't shoot because that guy over there was talking, that is a, that is a bitch excuse. And I'm sorry to use that word. Uh, but look at, there's always going to be someone talking. It'll probably be me. Okay. To be honest, but there's always going to be someone out there talking. And if you go to Vegas and shoot, there's going to be fucking hundreds of people talking. So there, that is no excuse. Run something in your mind, run some words or a mantra and block it out. There used to be this girl at this club that I used to shoot at her and her boyfriend or whatever would shoot with us uh me and the other killers and when they would miss they would be like god you know i was really trying to concentrate but you guys were talking it's like really we're all talking all the time you know if you're a good shooter you'll make that shot it doesn't matter if someone's talking and joel turner does some like bizarre shit in his class where he will be clapping and like jumping up and down and throwing shit around in your face while you're shooting to to see if you are actually running the mantra. Are you talking to yourself or are you just, you know, are you inside yourself or are you outside? Basically is what he's getting at. <clears throat> um, let's see. So yeah, good concentration equals good shooting, not vice versa. I know I read that, but I read it again because I think it's very important. I think we should all reflect on that from time to time concentration he also said something like do you practice archery to practice or yeah like you shoot archery to practice concentration and i thought that was pretty cool i might i might be getting that wrong i might be just be making shit up but <clears throat> i thought that was pretty cool shot activation movement becomes an anticipated movement Blank bailing, you turn off that timing mechanism and it no longer becomes anticipated. That makes a lot of sense, you know? What is the timing? What is the thing that is timing your shot? Let's be real. It's the aim. It's the the pin, where the pin is. Unless you have that target panic where the pin's just sitting there and you can't break that shot off. But even so, you're holding a bow... You can't hold it forever in the middle. It will break down. So you are, will be limited by time. When you're blank bailing, there's no nothing to aim at. So that whole that whole front end, the whole act of the timing thing is gone, and you are just breaking shots. You know, you're feeling the shot go. You're feeling the movement that breaks that shot. And I realize. I'm talking and I'm talking from a very hinge shooter perspective. If you shoot a thumb button, this still applies to you because you still have to pull 
through that shot, albeit much more gentle. Um, but see, uh, the benefit of blank bailing, it returns you to the cognitive state of learning. And that's like when you first shot a hinge, you were like, well, what do I have to do to get this thing to shoot? You know, you, you figured it out and then you ran it very safely. So one of the things that I, that really helped me so that I don't hang up on shots is to shoot every shot. Like it's the, my first time shooting a hinge, which means thumb on the peg, draw that thing back super safe, roll through the shot, you know, let there be movement in that shot. Um, let's see, Joel says, words are the route to concentration. When you say or what you say or read puts your mind into focus, that word can get you through your shot activation sequence. <clears throat> um, I did just kind of talk about that a little bit. You know, I like to say the word gradual, gradual, gradual. It slows everything down for me. It it matches the speed that I'm aiming at. So it works for me. <clears throat> um, he's uh, In one of the podcasts, someone asked, well, how do you concentrate? How you speak affects your concentration. In Finding Nemo, Nemo keeps saying to himself, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. Do you guys remember that? I remember, all I remember is the turtles in Finding Nemo. I don't know if it's because they reminded me of myself or, <laughs> or if they were just the highlight. If I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, like Disney movies or, what was that, Pixar? Ugh. No offense, but if you, if that is your cup of tea. But I just don't like big chunks of shit in my tea. <laughs> anyway, on a positive note, your speech is linked to your speed limit. What is your speed limit? That is how fast your release hand movement can make you and... Oh, I'm sorry. Your speed limit is how fast your release hand movement can move and you can keep control of your aim. So another way to say that is your speed limit, to me, is the, or is the um, intensity at which you pull or speed at which you pull through your release and can keep your pin right where you want it. Um, to fix your movement, fix your speech pattern, the speed of what you're saying and what is being said, and the aggression that you're saying it with. So Joel says, watch it to keep it before, you know, you know, as he's just settling on target, he'll say, watch it to keep it. And then he will transition to pulling, pulling, pulling as he's pulling. And he says it at a certain speed, you know, a certain cadence, certain volume in his head. Kind of reminds me of Star Wars. Do you guys remember when uh, Luke Skywalker's flying through this trench? He doesn't have his optics or targeting system. And they're saying stay on target, stay on target, stay on target. They're kind of giving him this mantra to stay focused was that the correct scene? I think that was the correct scene. <clears throat> um, use archery to practice your concentration. So, yeah, that is this system in a nutshell. I think I had one more page of notes that I've lost in my car. But I really wanted to run this again for you guys because I felt like uh, the last time I talked about it, well, I didn't feel like it. I know it. The quali audio quality was shit. This is big. This is big stuff. And I'm going to tell you guys why I think so. Okay. 
Uh, without telling you scores, if you guys know who I am, you know what kind of scores I shoot for indoor. Um, but I can tell you that my style has evolved. It evolved from being very passive with a very cold release to being extremely aggressive with a very, very hot release and a very heavy bow setup. With that <coughs> came um, breakdowns under pressure. Uh, I shot less good scores in Vegas. Uh, I can be seen, you know, well, I'm always nervous. If you guys see me at any event, I'm nervous. Who is that? Hicks and Gracie said, he who is not nervous is a fool. And it's true. Uh, Well, maybe it's not true, but I'm always nervous. And especially during any kind of event, I'm always shaking like like a leaf on a tree. That, in turn, makes me tense, makes my release hand tense, makes it very hard to break shots. Having a very heavy bow helps because pushing on the the front of a very heavy bow, if you're pushing hard enough, the mass that you're moving forward puts more pulling power on your release fingers. So that was one reason why I ran a lot of weight also because I had a bow that was pulling me forward. Now I can't really hold that much weight up, so it doesn't mean I still don't lock up under pressure. But the thing that I've done, that I've taken from this Joel Turner interviews, is that you shoot every shot like it's your first. So, Or you go back to the cognitive state, right? Which is draw back safe, thumb on the peg, roll through the shot. I set my release a little bit colder. I'm not afraid of movement because I'm repeating a mantra i'm repeating my old mantra to myself during execution and it is it matches the aim the the pin float that i am putting down so yeah i hope this helps um you know i kind of discussed this with my buddy rude boy sandoval and uh he said yeah it's okay but he He's a level four coach, so he comes from these guys who is like, you know, he believes that your skeletal, um, you know, your posture, your skeleton and all that shit, your your muscles all have something to do. He says that's very important as far as getting a good shot off. Yeah, it does. And to be fair, what Joel Turner's talking about is really helpful for someone that already knows how to shoot. This is for all, and th- I believe that most of you guys listening to this know how to shoot already. But you want to shoot better, all right? Um, I think, I think that's what it is, and I think if you took his class, he'll help identify things. Like one thing he talks about is a former target panic, being that you know you can't you, you can't get your pin where you want it. You know, um, you're always kind of hovering below. I've never had that problem. I've always been able to kind of smother my target with a pin. And maybe it's because I'm a sadistic asshole, but it's never been a problem for me. And I think another thing that I've done, and this is something you guys can try if you have that issue, right? Your pin is hovering below, um, is to set your release so that it won't fire if you have a hinge. And practice aiming. And just seriously practice aiming. And once you get your pin on, on target and you're able to do that, 
start rolling through your release, knowing it, it's not going to fire, you know, and, and start getting those motions down and start getting comfortable with that pin being right where, right in the middle. That's something I've done. Um, but I didn't do it because I couldn't hold the pin in the spot. I did it because I wanted to improve my aiming. Um, <clears throat> back when I was a, a single young buck, one of the things that I had done was put targets all over my apartment. And I had an, an apartment hinge release that was set not to fire. And I would aim at targets for as long as I could until my shot break would break down. And then I would put the bow down. But I would practice aiming like nonstop. And that was a huge, huge benefit. A huge benefit to being able to hold for a longer amount of time. If you can hold longer the the sweet spot that the between one and seven or one and ten seconds of your shot becomes much less stressful. It's, it's more stress free, I should say. Nothing's perfect. There's no magic pill here, right? And again, this this Joel Turner thing it has helped me from locking up. My big issue is locking up on good shots that I'm aiming in the middle. And can't get my release to go. Just from listening to him talk on YouTube, I feel like that is a problem of the past. So, you know, take with that with what you will. If you have that same problem that I've had, this will help you. He claims his program can help with a bunch of other stuff. So if you want to, go for it. You know, take the class, tell me what you think. My buddy that messaged me thinks it's all very scammy. He's like, don't do it. So it's really on you. But if you just listen to this stuff, Joel says it makes a lot of sense. He's talking about, like, why is it when you get a new release, you shoot fucking great? Remember, we all call that new shit syndrome. You get some new shit, and then it it works great for a little bit, and then it doesn't anymore. It's just like before. Well, he says it is that, um, that cognitive stage of learning. You get a new release, and you're like, well, how does this thing work? You know, you're unfamiliar with how it shoots. So you're very, like, you run through all the steps. You don't skip anything. And that's the name of the game right there. No shortcuts. Even it's subconscious. If you know you're going to start shortcutting shit, like for me, I'm going to shortcut it so that, you know, I've already rotated through that release halfway. And I'm ready to fire. Well, how do I combat that? Well, it's start, you know. Super safe. Thumb on the peg deep. Draw back. Be ready to roll through the whole shot. Be ready to experience that whole shot. And just focus on aiming. You know that release is going to take a moment to get off. It ain't going to go easy. You know it's going to move. You know? Just make sure you're moving at a speed that is controllable. That your pin is controllable. And you can handle it. Alright? So, I hope this helps you guys. Um, You know... It might not because everyone's different and it might be something else that helps you. It might be a guy, you know, maybe the thing that helps you is buying a, a rebranded uh, Carter release that's been anodized green, you know, maybe I, I doubt it, but there's stuff out there, you know, there's stuff for all of us. And uh, this is episode 30. And for all of you that have stuck around and have listened to me talk for 30 hours, I appreciate it. And I plan to talk for 
at least another 70 hours before I, you know, maybe I'll switch to mountain biking or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not built for mountain biking. And that reminds me, segueing into the next thing. Does being fatter make you shoot better? My theory is yes. And I know you guys are like, oh, please don't end the podcast right there. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm going to tell you guys exactly what I think. Okay, so Rio Wild said, okay, <laughs> so everyone knows Rio Wild's not like the skinniest of guys, right? Uh, honey Badger is a very flattering thing to call him because he's more like a, a honey bear. You know what I mean? Um, Rio Wild's kind of a portly fella, and apparently at some point he lost weight. And I remember I was watching, I think it was like a World Archery Competition Challenge or World Archery is doing some kind of, you know, 50 meter whatever. And he's beating up on some poor foreigner. And the guy, the announcer goes, oh, Rio lost a bunch of weight and he looked like a male model. And he said his shooting wasn't good, so he started eating again. <laughs> it's like, word, he looked like a male model and didn't wasn't shooting good, so he started stuffing himself with ho-hos and ring dings i doubt it i doubt it. i don't think rio ever looked like a male model <clears throat> that's just my opinion you know if you're a huge real wild fan please don't please don't hurt me I'm, I'm just too old too brittle to fight fight for my own protection now but um there is something to that and let me tell you what i think it is what is archery right what are we doing we're trying to be real careful it's like I I consider archery two things. One is trying to put your index fingers as close together as possible without touching, right? Without making your fingertips touch. And then the other thing that we're doing is basically we're flipping a, a bottle of water over and making it land on its base. And then we're just doing that 30 times, right? It's a parlor trick. To shoot 30 uh, or three X's is just a parlor trick. Now, can you do it over and over again? Sure. What does it take? It takes insane neuromuscular coordination, all right? And not even insane. It just takes neuromuscular coordination. So what are you going to do there? What do you got to feed? Well, you got to feed your muscles for one, and then you got to feed your nerves for two. And I think those things are linked. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I can't say I'm not, well, one, I'm not in very good shape, so I can't tell you firsthand. But two... I can tell you for sure that if you're well fed, you're more in control of your body. And like when you're tired or underfed, you're sluggish, you're slower to react. Right? But if you're now I'm not saying go eat a bunch of sugar, but if you're hopped up on sugar, you're gonna be faster to react, right? Your nerves are firing faster. Now, I don't know what food it is that gives you better control over these nerves. But fuel goes into your body. Your body converts it into electrical impulses. Those impulses go through your nerves to your muscles to control whatever the fuck it is you're trying to do. So go eat some go eat some hamburgers is what I'm trying to say. And you know I'm gaining a little bit of weight. I, I don't know if anyone cared, but I lost I lost uh, fifty pounds this last year, maybe sixty. And I was looking real good. <laughs> but I am married and I have a baby. So why am I looking good? I don't know. There's really no point. So now I'm starting to get fat again. 
And it's indoor season, so it kind of has like a double benefit. <clears throat> Getting fat, I've already noticed an increase in my score. And paired with Joel Turner's coaching, it's like, holy crap world. <laughs> I think I've found the magic bullet. Um, of course, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I, I'm not about getting fat. I am getting fat. But um, I do think that eating uh, and staying fueled is the thing that helps you shoot better. I, I think it's very difficult to shoot good and lose weight at the same time. I think if you're losing weight, you know, if you're losing weight, you're in a calorie deficit. So then your body's kind of like cannibalizing itself or whatever they call it, cat, cat, cannibalizing. But you're wasting away. So I would argue that you're probably not firing. Your synapses are not firing the same. And your your nerves aren't firing the same. So it's just my theory. Um, I'm sure someone out there is going to message me and tell me I'm all wrong about it and I missed the boat. Go for it. I'm probably not going to respond anymore to those things just because I got diapers to change, man. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is the 30th episode. I wanted to... Well, I should have done something crazy or I should have done this one drunk or something, but... I wanted to do I wanted you guys to hear that episode 27 clearly and I wanted to get across to you how important I think this is. Like I am shooting so much better because of this that it is it's like getting an upgrade for your bow, but it's upgrading your body. Um yeah, with that being said, I'm going to start practicing serious very soon. I know I say this all the time and it never happens. Um and I hope you can all practice along with me. I'm going to practice. I'll talk about it on here when I'm not interviewing a killer, of course. And um, hopefully you guys all practice along with me and we can all get better at indoor archery together. Huh? What do you say? Does that sound nice and inclusive, brotherly? Huh? Well, all right. Yeah, fuckos. Thank you guys for listening. As always, this episode is brought to you by DB Custom Coatings, my good friends. Uh, badass Cerakoters, Darren and Bet. Uh, they do awesome, awesome Cerakoting. Everyone, everyone who's freaking cool has a bow Cerakoted by them. Um, if you guys see them, give them some love. They're always shooting. They're always at events. They're always doing good. Uh, give them some love. Get your bow Cerakoted. Also. This podcast is brought to you by Carbon Craft Stabilizers. You can get them at Impact Archery through Mr. Sir Brian Webb or through uh, West Coast Archery in Petaluma where you can call Rudy Sir Sandoval and um, check them out. Their Carbon Craft Stabilizers are really good is all I can tell you. For the price, they are like on par with some of the top, top stabilizers. Their weight to stiffness ratio is through the roof. They are lighter than a handful of bars. I don't want to go saying names and being a dick, right? But they're they're stiffer than most bars and they're lighter than most bars. And I can tell you the only bars that I've come across that are lighter than the Carbon Craft bar is the Easton Contour CS bar. But the Carbon Craft bar is far stiffer than the Easton Contour CS. So it's kind of like, eh, you know, Depends on how much weight you're running is going to determine, to me, will determine which one you end up going with. Um, 
Bam. So there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed my ramblings. Uh, I'll get more into gear later, hopefully on the next podcast. And uh, thank you, guys. Episode 30. I love doing it. Uh, I love the responses that I'm getting from you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to see you guys at the Coyote, Coyote 600 coming up October 28th, I think. Or is it October? No, it's October 30th. Uh, Vegas round followed by a five-spot round. Ooh. Followed by a shoot-off. How about that? Indoor leagues are sprouting up everywhere now, too, so people are starting to sharpen their fangs. So, <laughs> everyone get ready. It's going to get... It's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, congratulations to everyone who's shooting good right now in our little hometown Bay Area. Um, I see a lot of posts going up on the uh, Facebook groups. And I'm proud of you all. You know, uh, it's not easy to shoot a 300 or even to shoot a 298. It's very difficult. So those of us that are uh, continuing to push forward and make improvements, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Proud of you guys. Um I, I remember it makes me think of uh, this phrase. It was, uh, losers are not the people that lose. Losers are the people that quit. And I know it's a harsh thing because we all know people that we love that have quit. But those of us that are continuing to push forward and continue to improve... I admire I admire what you're doing and I think that is the that's badass. That's the thing that makes you competitor, you know? I'm gonna get my ass in gear and start practicing ASAP. I hope you guys follow along with me. I'll tell you all my little secrets. Alright everyone. Y'all have a good night. Watch out. Bill Cosby's free. <laughs>